The wheel of time turns and ages come to pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover chapters 39 through 43 of The Dragon Reborn. Book three of the Wheel of Time. <laughs> Last time. So previously, Perrin rolled up into town and went on a murder spree and immediately picked up a groupie who was apparently into that sort of thing. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, after being upstaged by Lance Horse, the groupie then picks <laughs> the name Fail, which seems sort of appropriate for someone who gets upstaged by a horse. Uh, Nynaeve's detective agency takes their show on the road and they have a great cultural exchange with some really friendly Aiel. In fact, the Aiel get this really bad rat, but so far every single Aiel we've met has been like really congenial and friendly. Have you seen, like, have we heard of, like, a shitty Aiel so far? No. Uh, no, it's not true. I mean, well, we did hear about the, the millions that came over the Dragon Wall and slaughtered uh, all the people in the nations. Well, we huh. heard about that, but every Aiel that we've met <laughs> has disproven that. So you're saying as a group, they're terrible, but individually, like, some of them would be your friends. I'm saying that I'm not actually sure what happened back during the Aiel War, but I think some people are, like, mis- misrepresenting the Aiel culture. <laughs> because so far they seem pretty cool. Yes, uh, it, that's very possible. I think we may find out more about that history. As I, don't, no. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I can't imagine we're going to see any more Aiel. Okay, so we are in the middle of a discussion <laughs> <laughs> over whether Nynaeve or Fael is the worst character in the books. Yes. Uh, or pre-change or, Matt. That's my assertion. Just pre-change saying, Matt? Yeah, pre, uh, <laughs> pre-having his memories wiped and re- replaced with better, better personality. Uh, Matt is the worst. Or post change Rand or post change Perrin. That They're both kind of terrible. A great point. Yeah, like Perrin started out a, like pretty strong. I think early on Perrin was my favorite of the trio, mm. but lately he's just gotten so angsty. He's kind of whiny. Yeah, he, he won't shut up in his own mind about this wolf stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, we, the things he's been acting like that for a long time now. This is not a recent thing. We've it's been true. bitching about this about Perrin for a long time because these are great powers. Did- he doesn't want wolf powers. Yeah, and, and the, what's really annoying is that I think it was a, 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 towards the end of the Great Hunt, he was kind of getting over it, and he was like, yeah, it's good to be a wolf. And then, like, he decided at the beginning of this book that he's like, nah, nah, wolf powers suck again. He did see that one guy that went crazy with wolf This was even before that, though. Like, yeah, that was the first justification he had, but, like... Yeah, he was just like, oh, no, yeah. I can't give in to my wolf the, the beginning of this book was when he got naked and ran through the battle killing people <laughs> and fought on Mirdral with his wolf powers. Which, Which is, awesome. is so great. And yeah. he was like, oh, no, I can't do that again. <laughs> you know, I wonder if it's hard. Like, I, I'm at the point where I really wish that we had known more about all the characters before the whole journey started because it's hard. We, we hear, for example, we hear all these stories about how Matt was this super fun, cool, like, trickster guy mm. and then he became super shitty. But we never actually saw that. And, like... Like, the only parent we've known, more or less, has been super emo, sad about his amazing wolf powers parent. Yeah. And it's hard, because we can't compare him. And, well, at the same time, being kind of a third wheel in this story, because all he's doing is following Moraine around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's actually a weakness of the stories. I wish that there had been a little bit of a background before all the adventures started. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but also these books, the first book was so long. Like, yeah. where would it have gone? Yeah, but the well, thing is, the action happened really fast. It was the very first chapter, I think, where Rand saw the mysterious guy on the road who yeah. ended up being the mere troll, I guess? Yeah, yes. he was the first yeah. mere troll. I, I, I feel like, I, I've said this before, I feel like Robert Jordan doesn't write characters very well. And, I, and I, I'm not sure he knew what these characters were going to be when he first started these books. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, 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 that's that could be... Uh, not, that could not be true. It could be that he planned all this stuff out, but I'm I'm not sure that these characters had any depth when they first started out. Hmm. Um, I don't know if he knew he was going to write 14 books and then like <laughs> you know Matt was going to have like a, a a personality transfusion from like his his <laughs> yeah. past life or something. But but I mean, um, I do. I to your point, I think that there's a lot of stuff he could have taken out of the first book and put in more character. Exposition, possibly, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, there was several chapters that you could cut completely out of the first book, like the travel chapters. Yeah. <laughs> like if those five chapters had been, you know, developing the characters. Yeah, but if the first five chapters had just been these farm boys wandering around in this tiny village. Would that really have been that interesting? I would have liked to have gotten to know them a little before everything started. It wouldn't have necessarily happened to happen happen in the village either. If it had happened as, let's say, there were travel chapters that were pre, like everyone getting you know, kind of fucked up and messed up. 
They were just like the, establishing them as people or and their interactions and what they were actually like before they started like being dicks to each other. Yeah. So here's my conspiracy theory. Uh. If you can have a conspiracy with one person and what he did is obvious. <laughs> uh, he, he intended these books to only be three books like Lord of the Rings. This was and supposed so, to be the last book. And so we weren't going to be talking about Perrin's changes because they would all just be having a giant battle with the Dark One right now. And it would be all action and, you know, it would be out. But uh, I think he uh, started getting checks for his New York Times bestselling fantasy novels. Yeah. And and he, he realized he needed to write more of them. And so he had to, to like, start characterizing these people. Isn't that what happened with The Lost? Uh, yeah. I think it, it happens a lot. I think anything that's successful, you want to make more of it and be, be successful and get more money. Mm-hmm. So... And I, I don't know, I feel like Robert Jordan probably had a plan from the start, and the people making Lost had no plan. They were just BSing the entire time. Mm-hmm. Do you think, how, how far out do you think Robert Jordan's plan actually went, though? I think it probably went to the third book, you know? And in the third book, they he gets the magic sword and he kills everybody, right? Right. But, but that's some, somewhere in the middle of the third book, he decided, actually, there's going to be... Ten more books? Or? Yeah, like, why don't I just write a few more of these? Yeah. I mean, he's obviously able to just, like, wank shit out onto the page. As we've seen with his traveling chapters, he can just keep writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. Yeah, put one word after another. But yeah. That's absolutely what he's... I, to me, that's absolutely when he's at his worst, when he's, like, kind of stretching it out. Okay, so, Alice, I, I, I will stipulate for the purpose of this conversation that perhaps Zarin Fail is the worst character. Okay. So that... If I put to you that Nynaeve is the second worst character, and I challenge you to name a character worse than Nynaeve. Other than Fael. Yeah. Elaine. Elaine? Really? Elaine. Elaine is so boring to me. What has she done? <laughs> she knows all about all this, like, history Okay, of, okay, you know, it's cool. Yeah. She, like, knows shit, you yeah, that's know? What, that's okay. what Varen did. She just walked around and knew shit, and we like Varen. Yeah. Lo- loyal, too. Yeah, but Varen yeah. didn't have the little, like, girly tee and Loyal was an Ogier, which is cool. Like, mm-hmm. he has, he's a different creature, and Varen has her whole mystical whatever thing, but mm-hmm. Elaine is just a girl she who has happens. Red hair. Okay, sure. She's <laughs> got red hair. She's part of her character. She, she happens to be, you know, a princess or whatever, daughter heir of Andor, excuse mm-hmm. me. And Please. apparently she has some sort of powers, like literally all the other women in the books. Well, so yeah, who cares? And she doesn't seem to be particularly strong in it. She doesn't have anything interesting about these powers she apparently has. We never really see them manifest. She just knows some shit and happens to be a princess. See, and, like, is constantly trying to hop on Rand's dick, you know? Like, that's pretty much the it. Dick. The guy she met yeah. once. So, the big so, D's big D. So you're saying that <laughs> Elaine is more annoying than Nynaeve? Not more annoying, but definitely more boring. Okay. Well, from my perspective, I didn't I didn't remember Zareen at all up until this point. Uh, but she's already getting on my nerves. Yes. Really? Yeah, it's getting a little rough. Rep- oh my god! I kind of like her. Uh, she, she, everybody else takes themselves so seriously. No, she does cool she stuff. T- she totally takes herself seriously. That's what's annoying about her. She thinks she's the coolest cool to ever cool in Cool Town. Yeah, but she doesn't take anybody else seriously, and that's that's fun. I, I like her scenes with Moraine, where they where she's just kind of being a douche to Moraine. She's a teenager. Right? Yeah, that's amusing. And unlike the other young people in the story, she's a believable teenager. Yeah. Like, she's sarcastic just... to the point of stupidity, you know? Okay, fair enough. Yeah, because you just want to smack her across the face constantly. Yeah, right? Like a teenager. Uh, uh, anyway, so, yeah. in conclusion, Fael sucks. All right, chapter 39, Threads in the Pattern, with the Wheel of Time. And I think, I figured it out, the Wheel of Time is for things where Robert Jordan is introducing new characters. Really? Or, or new characters that are going to stick around a long time. Really? That's interesting. How'd you yeah. figure that out? Uh, <laughs> you notice that they introduced new characters? There's <laughs> yeah, a in the wheel chapter. of time there? Okay. okay. Right. Well, we were wondering last time why he picks the wheel of time sometimes as the icon. Yeah. Maybe because it's like new people joining the wheel? The yeah. I think they're new, important characters. You don't think it's the placeholder clip art that he sometimes forgets to replace at the beginning of a chapter? It's possible it's that too. <laughs> <laughs> like he defaults to that and he puts something else in if he thinks <laughs> right. of it. Like, yeah, if this was... I don't know what they did for the technology back then, but if you sent them, like, a broken link, and they couldn't <laughs> get the wheel of time. Yeah, <laughs> put this one in there. I mean, it is at the end of every chapter. Um, that's true, yes. So maybe it means the end is the beginning. <gasps> the wheel of time <laughs> turns, and he's going to pass. Leaving memories that become... Podcasts. What is it in real? <laughs> <laughs> memories that become legends, and legends that become, I don't know. <laughs> in this chapter, 
Dylan, the the Aiel, is healed, and we get a whole bunch more Aiel info, and uh, we get some hints that there's some backstory that we're supposed to be curious about with Avienda. Wait, so let's let's set the set the setting here. Set the setting. So Nynaeve has just healed one of them, right? And they're yeah. where are they? They're in like a little copse of woods. Uh, because they were they were traveling down the river because their ship got hung up on something, oh. yeah. and they were uh, not ambushed. They were met by a group of Aiel, uh-huh. and they the Aiel got them as Aes Sedai to heal their buddy. And and they're still on their way to Tyr, right, to find the yeah. trap that they totally know is a trap, but they're still going right. anyway. They're going to step into the trap. Right. Okay, yeah. okay, they're just like jump right into that trap. All right, cool. Yeah. yeah. So some of the Aiel info they get is that they're looking for he who comes with the dawn, and he who comes with the dawn shall be born of a maiden. And they say, it's going to be blood of our blood mixed with the old blood, raised by an ancient blood, not ours. Blood. Blood. <laughs> blood, 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 blood. Very specific. So we know it's going to be an Aeol, but what does the rest of it tell us? Blood of our blood mixed with the old blood, raised by an ancient blood, not it's, ours. Well, it's Rand. We know he's talking about Rand. Sure, sure. Yeah. So he's Aeol blood... Mixed with the old blood, we do not know what that means. We yeah. don't know who his mm, dad is, right? Yeah. But yeah. raised by an ancient blood, not ours, so that's Menetherin, right? Right, exactly. Okay. Raised by Tam, who's of Menetherin blood. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, we got two-thirds, we understand that. Yeah. So, do you think Nynaeve is, has figured this all out? She knows. She always knew that Rand was not yeah. Tam's son. Yeah. So, does she know that he is, like, the dragon? Well, they, they know that, right? Don't they have that information? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because she was there when he proclaimed himself in the sky of a foam, right? Sure, yeah. But I guess the question is more like, do they actually buy into it? I think everybody in the story is wondering at this point. Because uh-huh. it's sure pointing that direction, but it's hard for them to believe. Because it's sort of like, you, your friend finds out he's Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a story that everyone kind of knows, but everyone's like, I mean, that's probably not real, right? Well, but. I'm... I'm curious, because, like, we know that Nynaeve has known all this stuff about Rand from the beginning. She probably, Nynaeve knows more about Rand than anybody else from Two Rivers, except for Tam, right? Yeah, probably any, more about Rand than anybody, even Rand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm just curious. It seems like she's just kept a lot of secrets for a long time, because Rand says mm-hmm. Nynaeve never told anybody about this. Yeah, right. So I'm just curious what her, what she actually thinks about all of this. It was interesting, because she can't keep a fucking secret no matter what, right? Like, she's <laughs> yeah. talking to these th- people, and she's like, oh, we're going to tear if the, the heart of the stone doesn't crumble. Oh, I mean, I'm not like we're going to the heart of stone. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what That's happened. true, but she kept secrets about Rand. Uh, yeah, well. I, well she never I told to, Rand. I wanted to point out about this saying, isn't all blood ancient? What does that mean? You know, that is a great point, because, like, the fact that all these people have Menetherin as their ancestors doesn't mean that anyone, like, everyone has a fucking ancestor, yeah, right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're all living in a place where there was a country a thousand years ago. Yeah, like, the blood of Menetherin is fine, but, like, there, there's, like, the, I, I mean, Menetherin is gone. There's lots of countries that have been there for a thousand years, right? Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that also ancient blood? Maybe mm-hmm. it just means they're super inbred. So, like, their benevolent powers are, like, especially strong. That's a really polite way of saying Yeah. That's actually an interesting... That that actually may not be too far from the the truth, right? Because, I mean, Two Rivers is super isolated, and everyone just marries everyone else there, right? It's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Everybody's like, oh, Rand looks super different. He's Because he's got some fresh blood. (laughs) Adding some new genes to this. He doesn't look like cousins like we all do. (laughs) Right? I mean, like, how common is it, like, people who marry other people from Two Rivers are probably marrying at least a second cousin, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Easily. If they, even if they marry somebody from a town over, they probably are still marrying. And they don't like to go with people from other towns because, remember, they're super racist against that one. The Terran the fairy the folk. Terran folk. Yeah, so they don't even like to go with people oh, from other towns. Man. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. All right, there you go. So that's what that's what Asian blood means. No wonder everybody inbred. likes Rand. It's like one of those instinctive things, like wolves, how they have to travel outside of their packs, you know? It's like that. Yeah, he, they're always talking about how he's like really tall and good looking, but maybe they're all just these hunched over. <laughs> <laughs> Farming folk, yeah. like with extra appendages and <laughs> misshapen faces. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they yeah, Nynaeve does give up that they're going to tear, and the the Aiel recognize this yeah they're like oh that's part of the prophecy that we know (laughs) yeah (laughs) absolutely we're gonna hang out with you guys or are we uh team Egwene sets off again 
No, but we find out some more stuff too, don't we? Yeah, I think uh, Elaine talks about it. Aiel talks about the Kyrian history. Mm -hmm. And this is actually stuff we didn't know before. Yeah, I I actually kind of wondered about this because we don't know a whole lot. Like, we keep hearing references to Avendasora, uh, the Tree of Life, but we don't know anything about it. Like, what it is, why why it's so important, where it is. We have none of that information, right? That's right. But what we know is that the Aiel gave a sapling of Avendasora called Evendor Aldera. Which nobody knows wh- how they got it, because yeah. apparently, apparently Evendor doesn't make seeds. Yeah, because it lives forever. Yeah. And they gave it to the Kyrianan, and the Kyrianan chopped it down to make a throne. Which is... Laman's throne, Yeah, right? Laman. This, this recent king did that because yeah. he's just a douchebag. Uh-huh. Yeah, but the, that was a really bad idea. <laughs> and so, yeah, what, what Elaine says is they, didn't, they don't really see the Aiel War as a war. They see it as like just a policing action. We're going to... We're going to go kill that guy for chopping down the tree. Uh-huh. And when they killed that guy, they left. Yeah. Yep. Which kind of so, makes sense. So the Aiel are super duper badass. They <laughs> are. I kind of love them. <laughs> yeah. And there's, uh, so we get a lot more Egwene Nynaeve dominant stuff, which is kind of, kind of dull. Yeah. Sure. Out of place. But then they get ambushed again. Like they, they're gone for what? Like. An hour at yeah. most. All these people do is walk into traps nonstop whenever they're outside the White Tower. The, I mean, on their way to a bigger trap, they've been walking into traps. Yeah, they walked into two traps in a row. <laughs> and then there's, it's like like a counter trap. Like this trap turned out to be a trap for the people that trapped them because the previous trap comes and traps those people. That's right, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, they get uh, KO'd immediately by slings or something. Yeah, they should really be careful with that. Head injuries are no joke. I thought I said I would be more capable of dealing with stuff, but these dudes just ganked them. Well, I mean, I mean, the thing about uh, an ambush is like you don't have much time to deal with it, right? Like, it, it she got she was preparing to do something about it, and then just got like slinged yeah. to the head, right? Mm-hmm. You would think they would be better by now, though, because I was remembering the ambush that they had with Leandrin. Mm-hmm. In Falm, like, way forever ago, you'd think by now they would be, be better at expecting these things, you know? Yeah, be a little warier. Yeah, because, I mean, remember, in that case, like, Nynaeve, didn't she, like, run off and was just blowing shit up <laughs> she randomly? Was off the distance. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. So they get carted on horseback to a bandit camp, because this whole, our area is uh, all war-torn and full of bandits. And these are evil dudes who are selling them to mirror dolls. Yep. Because, uh, how did they know they'd be there? I don't how, know. How did they know the mirror would be there? How did they know Egwene, Nynaeve, and Elaine would be there? They didn't. I think that was... that. Yeah. There, there's a whole conversation where they didn't at first realize what they were. Yeah, like they can't even believe that they actually are. And they're shocked oh, when they okay. discover that they're wearing the rings that say they're Aes Sedai. Okay, but they are selling them to mirror which is not something an average bandit would do. Yeah, but apparently these guys are just super douchey. Yeah. Uh, so, but Egwene wakes up because they did a bad job of drugging them. Yeah. And <laughs> they did, they, they used the wrong thing. They're wrong roofies. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> they, they gave him like... My grandma said these roofies were heavy. <laughs> Instead of roofies, they gave him Advil. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It heals their headaches. Yeah, it makes their headaches go away. But so Egwene wakes up naive and they prepare to fry these guys. But before that happens, Black Veil Death pours into the room and kills all the bandits. It's great. This is super awesome. You know... These bandits never stood a chance. Like, they kidnap Aiel. Stupid idea. They're dealing with Mirdral. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. You're right. They kidnap Aes Sedai. Stupid idea. Mm -hmm. They're dealing with Mirdral. Also stupid idea. And then, like, there's Aiel in the air. Like, they never stood a chance. Someone was going to kill these bandits. Yeah. The the Mirdral probably were about to kill all these guys. Right? I mean, like, why would they pay them? They should just kill them. Yeah. Mirdral like killing people. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to this, why would you ever be a dark friend or associate with the dark friends? It just seems like a shitty deal. There's yeah. a reason that people don't want to deal with mere draw. And it, like, <laughs> when you're like, nobody likes to do No, like, people don't normally do that. There's a reason. They usually yeah. die, right? I mean... So we meet a lot of dark friends that are that are fancy. They've got the riches that presumably came from their association with the dark. But these guys are scum. Yeah. Their lives suck. Yeah. They all got, like, missing teeth and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their camp was just, like, a bunch of... Like hovels, campfires in the middle of like a really dirty field. That's like this. This did not sound like a good life. Yeah, I gotta say this sounds pretty creepy though. What? Like the the mirror dolls because apparently they can feel, they can sense people channeling, mm-hmm. and it's and who is it? Somebody's trying to channel. Egwene is trying to channel so that they can get out of these chains. And the mirror doll, mirror doll says, "I itch, human. Are you sure they're asleep?" Which was super creepy to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 
like the sound of bones rolling over leaves or whatever. Yeah, whatever it was, <laughs> the <laughs> description they like. gave us before. Yeah, you can't uh, can't get the drop on Myrdal that way, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But the Isle can get the drop on Myrdal. Hell yeah, they can. And yeah. They sure do. And they kill, like, in a second or something. They it's kill every great. human in the room. And this, <laughs> this bit with the Myrdal, they surround him. And they're, they all start going, taunting him. Dance with me. And they're yeah. drumming on their shields. Oh, that's so badass. Yeah. Right? I know. Dance with me, Shadow Man. I'm like, I'm like Team Aiel right now. Like, the, <laughs> these guys are so cool. It's super cool. Yeah. But, but then Egwene is like, fuck this. And she just bursts them all to <laughs> yeah. flames. I actually thought those were pretty badass from Nynaeve, too. Where they all do. They watch all this crazy stuff happen, and Nynaeve goes, well, I think it's time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah. And that, like, it's, it's great because they're all so, like, what is it? Uh, Egwene sets him on fire, and then like uh, Elaine yeah. does something. Like Egwene, Elaine crushes them, crushes them, and then Nynaeve fucking uses balefire on him. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. yeah. like talk about pissing on the ashes, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they probably should have coordinated a little bit better. They, they all just alpha strike the mirror. <laughs> it's it's like when you play volleyball. It's like a girls' volleyball team. You've got the bump set spike. There you go. <laughs> Boom. So those Myrdral did not stand. They just like they just no. had the worst day of their lives. <laughs> right. So it turns out the Aiel are led by a guy named Ruark, uh, and he's pretty badass. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he has a nice quote about how for the young, death is an enemy they wish to try their strength against. For those of us a little older, she is an old friend, an old lover, but one we are not eager to meet again soon. <laughs> this guy's great. It's pretty badass. Yeah, I want to know yeah, what else he has yeah, to say about shit. I like this little interaction where they're they're the team Egwene is kind of like, well, we're we're you guys seem so excited about the mirror draw, we're sorry we killed them. And the Aiel are like, yeah, well, actually, actually, we're kind of glad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably. Would. I mean, like, we could we would have killed them, but it would have sucked. <laughs> yeah. And we find out even more about the Aiel. For one, they're they're wise women. The wise ones see things in dreams, and that's what leads the Isle to do what they do. Mm. And so all the Isle are here for dreams. Ruark wasn't going to come, but uh, because he's a leader of one of the clans of the Isle, but uh, his wife, who was a wise one, had a dream that he had to come. And I want to point out that the Isle also have their own little man versus woman thing going, too. They do, yes, it's, indeed. It's like, come on, really? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've heard it said that a man caught between his wife and a wise one often wishes for a dozen old enemies to fight instead. A man caught between a wife and three wise ones, and the wife, a wise one herself, would probably consider trying to slay Sightblinder. So does this happen a lot? Men often get caught between their wives and a wise one? I I guess. I mean, like, I get the impression that wise ones, I mean, obviously they're they're channelers, but I get the impression that wise ones have a similar... um, a similar role as wisdoms in stature. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, there's like maybe each tribe or each group has their own wise one that kind of yeah. the matriarch. Who are like wisdoms they lead through manipulation. Yeah. manipulation. Yeah. Calling yeah. people stupid. Probably. And then we find out more about uh the ring too that Nynaeve has. We know it's Land's ring. But I'm every time I learn more, that like the more surprised I am that he actually gave her the ring. Like this is a huge fucking deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it this is. ring of the Malkieri king here. Yeah, this ring that Ruark had even heard about before. So it's yeah, pretty right. crazy. This is a legendary ring. Yeah, who knew? She's just wearing her wearing it around. Almost got between her breasts, <laughs> as we hear every time. It's between described. her massive breasts, <laughs> as we well, constantly hear most about. Most of the things around Nynaeve turn out to be between her breasts because they're so big. <laughs> <laughs> so the Aiel escort them to the next town, which is nice because this is probably the only reason they didn't get ambushed and trapped on the way to the next town. <laughs> That's right. They they probably walked through a couple other traps. Who were like, oh wait, <laughs> never mind, never mind. <laughs> There's this whole bit about how the Aiel are jogging along with the horses and keep up with the horses, and it seems like the horses are even slowing them down. Yeah, when the, when they leave, the Aiel pick up their pace when they leave. Yeah, this is kind. Of, it's kind of crazy. Like these are starting to seem like superhumans here. Mm-hmm. Even though we do have a super annoying thing. Um, they're talking about how Elaine is getting all these all these looks oh, from yeah. the various soldiers. When they and get things. to, to Jereen. Yeah, and uh, let's see. She herself told the men who asked her she had no time for them. It was nice in an odd way to be asked. She certainly had no wish to kiss any of those fellows. But it was pleasant to be reminded that some men at least thought she was as pretty as Elaine. Nynaeve slapped one man's face that almost made Egwene laugh and Elaine smiled openly 
Egwene thought Nynaeve had been pinched, and despite the glare on her face, she did not look entirely displeased either. I love it when guys are, like, <laughs> super gross soldiers or, like, you yeah. know, catcalling me and pinching my ass and shit like that. Yeah, Who doesn't like that? You know, Alice, that's how soldiers. you know you're pretty. Exactly. <laughs> that is the only way I know I'm attractive, and, you know, despite my ability to do fucking magic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it felt a little weird out of place. I don't know, but that's... I mean, did it, though? No, I mean... Yeah. Well, there's, there hasn't been a whole lot of, like, this kind of catcally, non-consensual sure, tension. Sure. But it, it's in line with the the thinking that they would be caring about this stuff when there's so many other things going on. Yeah, mm-hmm. this, this is something that should be, they should be thinking about when they're <laughs> going to this trap that's probably going to kill them. Yeah, yeah. they're... Aren't they wearing their Aes Sedai rings? Aren't they supposed to scare these people? You would think so, right? Yeah. Maybe they're hiding it for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, it was weird. And, yeah, their response was weird. Yeah. yeah. They were all like, they all secretly like it. Yeah, that that actually bothered me a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, they get to Jureen and they manage to get on the ship. Yep. The dart. Or do you want to see No, it was just, Nynaeve wore, wore her... Uh, I said I ring on the cord that held Rand's heavy ring between her breasts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Every... <laughs> between her heavy breasts. Between her enormous, enormous breasts. <laughs> yes, Egwene, Elaine, and Nynaeve, and Nynaeve's breasts got onto a ship. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, they had the thing for the horses to, <laughs> to hoist Nynaeve's breasts onto the ship. <laughs> Nani's breath would be a little skittish to be on a ship for a second or third time. Right. So he was actually able to keep them calm with struggling. That's right. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Oh. Ridiculous. So, chapter 40. A hero in the night. The icon of a lion, for some reason? Is that That's the sign of Andor, right? Yeah. Oh, I guess that's it. Yeah. So, Matt arrives at Erangil, uh, which is downriver of where Team Egwene is. But the, and it's a war-stricken town. It's kind of awful. It's full of these refugees. It seems like a, a pretty terrible place. But not very far, because uh, they, they actually passed... Uh, yeah. They passed them. They yeah. passed their boat. Yeah. Probably while they were laying unconscious in that bandit camp. Right. And uh, we find out Matt has read Elaine's letter. I know, of what course. a dick. Yeah. <laughs> of mean, course he read the damn letter. Of course letter. he did. What a dick. I mean, it's a little bit okay, because he thinks they're trying to kill him because of the letter. Okay, actually, that's a great point, because the last time somebody was asked to carry a letter to somewhere, remember it was the ship captain, and he he was glad he opened it because it was a letter oh, that was telling yeah. him that, oh, he's a dark friend, we should yeah, kill him. kill him. So, you know. But still, that's, yeah, I don't know, that's shady. Yeah. And also, isn't that treason? <laughs> I mean, like Matt Probably. knows what that means. Is it like a message between the from the daughter heir to the queen of Andor. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. But you know, he's not he's not, Andor, he's not Andorian as he likes it. to remind yeah. her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I want to point out that at least he during this voyage he was robbing the uh, asshole captain instead of like a bunch of poor dock workers. Yeah, this this is a weird joke. He's like, as a joke, I'm pretending that I'm still super hungry from the healing, and Just I'm dumping throwing the food, the food away. No, no, no. He was throwing it onto shore for the starving people. No, I think he said he was dumping it overboard. Yeah. He was doing it for days. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he. It said he was. He was throwing it off to the all the various kids that were like starving and shit. No. no. Really? He's been doing it. He, he, he said, I haven't been that hungry for days. I've just been taking the extra food and throwing it overboard. Oh, that's unconscionable. To put a joke on the captain. To his minor credit, he does feel bad about it when he sees all the starving children. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what his, what his motivation is there unless it's just like, I want to fuck with this guy. I think that's it. He's just like, I want to fuck with this guy. I got some power over this guy. Like, wouldn't it be funny if this guy starves to death before he reaches the next port? I mean, he won't starve to death. He's got captain. He just he ate his way through most of their stores, and they can't buy food here. Yeah, they can't buy food. Is it, they can fish. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> so in Erangel is all these really sad refugees. refugees. Yeah, and Matt. I think this is supposed to indicate that deep down, Matt is a good guy. That he. He feels sorry for these refugees in spite of himself. Yeah. Okay. Although I found you know, it. You're, you're it, right. He's been wasting the food. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which I guess is funny if you don't understand how 
refugees work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he finds one pretty girl and he gives her money. <laughs> That's kind because well, of... she's got kids. It's not because sure. she's pretty. It's because she's looks like a forlorn mother. Sure. But I don't know. It's it's he's like a good guy in spite of himself. But like, it doesn't take a real good guy to feel bad about refugees and yeah. admit it. You know. Sure. And, and he's like walking around with like so much money that like later on he gets knocked down and money just like flies out of him. Yeah. <laughs> like he could help a lot of people here, right? It's true. He could buy this town. Yeah. He, he could like, like, like he gives a, like a handful of money. He get more money. Right? I know yeah. this is that, this would cost him nothing to help all these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no. So Tom mentions that this is unusual. Usually Morghese is better to the refugees because uh, they find out that the soldiers all about to pull out. And, that Matt dices for a stable berth with his dice power. And then for the guy's horses. <laughs> and then for the guy's, yeah, the horses. And the guy's all like, I'm not giving away my horses for anything. Uh, and then, you know, everything is super dear now. And, and Matt just dices it away from him. Like, I, I, like, I feel kind of bad about this. Like, this is super, this is important. Like, these horses could be really important to this guy. And granted... You shouldn't gamble with anything you can't afford to lose, right? Yeah. But, like, Matt gave him what sounded like uh, a ridiculous... He... Honestly, uh, that was a really suspicious offer. I'll I'll throw... You can throw twice, and I'll throw once, and you can take... We'll take the best. Yeah. The guy should have been, like, no, screw you. I don't don't know what the scam is, you know? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of taking... There's That happens a lot throughout the books, this idea of taking advantage of someone's greed. Mm Mm-hmm. We see that a lot. It's true, yeah. If, If the... The guy was greedy. That was it. And I guess that's the justification, but I, I still felt pretty bad about Matt taking this guy, stealing this yeah. guy's horses, let's be honest. Well, from another perspective, Matt is a Taveran, and his him reaching where he's going is vital to the future of the world yeah. in some abstract way. He still could have given this guy some money or something, right? Like, he has so much money. He's just like, <laughs> give him a few gold coins. Well, he tried to give the guy money, right? He tried to give the guy shitloads of money, and the guy was like, no. Yeah. And then he offers the dice. I think that maybe the, the what's really going on here is that he just noticed that the guy's a gambler. Yeah. And he, he offered the guy a gamble. He, the guy took a gamble, but he wouldn't take the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they stay in the stable, and there's this whole uh, bit where an illuminator comes in, whose life has apparently been ruined by her visit with Rand. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so Rand, yeah, Rand totally ruined this woman's life. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's an assassination attempt on her because she's uh, left the illuminator guild and gone around, is going around. Uh, doing Illuminator stuff, making fireworks. Yeah, and she's not giving away their secrets, which is an important distinction, but she is making fireworks on her own to yeah to make to pay the bills. And Rand <clears throat> and Matt dives in and uh, uses his amazing bow staff skills to yeah. beat the crap out of these four dudes. Mm-hmm. Again, without thinking about it. Matt does a lot of stuff without thinking about it. That's right, which is interesting because he actually does spend a lot of time thinking about yeah, things like he it, it's he always thinks about like I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna go be selfish for the rest of my life, but then without thinking about it, he's this hero. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't think Perrin would have done that. Uh, he would have thought really long and slowly about it. Yeah. Yeah. Missed the opportunity. So he saves this woman whose name is Aludra, and Aludra rewards Matt with fireworks. Okay, of all the people. That we've met so far in these books, Matt is the last person someone should give fireworks yeah. to. Yeah, they talk about how he cu- he cut them apart once when in Emmons Field, right, when he was a kid. <laughs> and she tells him, and, and this this may not actually be true. It may just be something that they tell people. But she tells him that if you cut these open, some of them, when exposed air, will explode. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like if they're all bundled together like that, and they explode. It could, like, destroy a house. I'm surprised Tom didn't take them away from him immediately. <laughs> yeah. That is exactly what I would have done. I'd yeah. Like Matt. I'm going to hold on to these for you. Because <laughs> yeah, you know Matt would be like, eh, I'm lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cut one of these things open. Yeah, it's burned down a barn or something. Yep. Well, we find out especially what a dick he was back in Emmonsfield, too, because they're saying that these fireworks cost the village, like, an entire year's budget or something ridiculous like that. And, he sh- mm-hmm. and here's Matt cutting through them and destroying them. Yeah, right. And he he's kind of thinking, oh, that's just because they're all pansies and they don't like to take chances or uh-huh. whatever. Yeah. But really, it's probably because it was the town's yearly entertainment budget. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, ruined it. Like, they would, they, they don't work after that. Mm-hmm. So after this, uh, Matt, now full of gold and fireworks, uh, Matt and Tom head on towards Camelin. Chapter 41, A Hunter's Oath. The picture of a wolf. Oh, I bet the hunter is Fael. I like Fael. Oh, yeah. Fail. 
So Team Perrin <laughs> arrives in Ilion on a boat. And this is cool in Ilion. I think that he, he nails this city description like he usually does. I think this the description of this southern port city where everything's like hot and muggy, it's kind of like New Orleans. A little bit, yeah, yeah, for sure. There's, there's like a a lot of there. there it sounds like there's a kind of an a, a estuary, is that what it's called? Where there's like a bunch of yeah, like little like a rip- delta, or yeah, something. And the, there's a lot of canals in the city, yeah, which is really useful for moving cargo around, for sure. And uh, parents in the doghouse with Moraine, <laughs> get it? Because he's a wolf. Yeah, right, I get it. And dog is. I don't get it. So there's icy drama between Moraine and Zarin, Fail. It seems pretty one-sided to me. Is it? Yeah, Fael thinks she's thinks she's all that. I don't know. Moraine is reacting very coldly to her. Usually Moraine is like, the wheel weaves of the wheel wills. Yeah. When Loyal showed up out of nowhere, she's like, okay, this is what we're doing now. Uh-huh. And rolled with it. I, I think Moraine sees it as a necessity for her to control Perrin, because she's trying to control the whole pattern and everything. Uh... And this is a, a variable that she can't control. She can see... These two teenagers that are working up to boinking, you know? Mm. <laughs> it's like, I, look, <laughs> do it later. You know? All right, yeah. fair enough. Fair no, enough. So she Fine. sees this as like a, a complication. Maybe she just thinks Zareen is annoying. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that seems to be a prevailing opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but I noticed that Lan thinks it's really funny. They actually say that. Like, he nearly smiles several times. And she's like, what's so Which funny? Which is like a big deal for Lan. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I, but he never thinks anything's funny, right? Yeah. Yep. That he thinks it's really funny that Moraine is it, Moraine and Zarine have this <laughs> this like mutual animosity. It's great that this is what we have. So they're describing Lan whether or not he's smiling or not, and Perrin says he's not sure. At times he thought it was only a shadow. Shadows could make a hammer seem to smile. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So when they arrive, Moraine has come to a deal with Fail, and. She made her swear an oath to obey and not ask questions. Yeah, how'd that work out? It does not seem like it goes well at all. Yeah. Yeah, does she immediately start asking questions? Yeah, right away. Yeah. She does obey, though, but mostly just by following along. Right. And it's a pretty strict oath. Um, It's like an oath that she says, basically, I will force you to stay in Ilion forever, implying she'll do it with her magic powers if you don't do this. Yeah, until I come back for you or something like that. Yeah, which could be never. So uh, Maureen also knows about the Falcon Vision, which means she knows, like, Min told. Well, Min, Min, Min talks to her a lot, right? Yeah, that seemed a little bit private, but, yeah. <laughs> I mean, does Min have more loyalty to, to Perrin than to Maureen? Probably not, right? I guess not. I, th- I guess I thought it was kind of like attorney-client privilege <laughs> or, like, doctor, what do you call it? Doctor-patient confidentiality. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, Min tells everyone everything. She's like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So they set off into Ilian. And uh, I wanted to note that Perrin lifts Fael onto his horse with one hand. Uh, and <laughs> she gives so a squawk. Squ- <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I mean, I assume that's the sound she makes. That's probably it, yeah. <laughs> Perrin is so strong. I don't know. I mean, is he still strong? It's been a while since he's actually done any physical labor. Well, he did, like, just lift that cage that would have required ten men to... Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. that had that yell in it. And... I don't know. Okay. Here is my argument in favor of Fail. She is a young woman who is inventing herself. Okay. And so she's kind of a douchebag, but all young people are douchebags. So she's out here and she's she's left some other identity behind that she didn't like, and she's come to have this hunter of the horn identity. Uh-huh. And that's that's cool, right? She's she's out there, she's inventing herself, she's brave in her way, right? I think that I think that you're right that that it's cool that she's doing these things, but I think that the person that she's inventing kind of sucks. She's still as irritating as all get out. Yeah, I mean, she's it's like a child's idea of a, of a glorious hero hunter person. Well, yeah. she embodies everything that I find irritating about the way Robert Jordan portrays women. Hmm. How she tries to act like she's super self-sufficient and amazing, and she's all, oh, if you try to do anything to me, farm boy... You know, you men are so dumb, blah, 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 I'm I'm so great, and men are terrible. Mm-hmm. And that's just everything that comes out of her mouth is yeah. is bullshit like that. To me, that feels a little bit like, like again, the something a, a teenage girl who doesn't really know much about the world 
would try and present herself. That would be yeah. her idea of a strong, confident character. I believe it. No, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. That doesn't mean I still don't find her irritating as shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she could. It could just be. I mean, she could be a well-written character and still be annoying, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'll say that compared to the other teenagers we know, she charts her own destiny a little bit more. Yeah, I everybody would agree else that. sort of follows Moraine around and is is sort of tossed around. I would agree with that. Although that ends now because she's now she's tangled with Perrin. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be his sidekick from now on. Yeah, yeah. and she's oasted up. So and, e- and even when he's like, "Stop fucking calling me nicknames. My name is Perrin." She's like, "No, my name is File Shaggy here." I think she's got a point. What? I, I think the polite thing to do is call somebody by the name they prefer. Yes. And so he says that to her while calling her by the name she says she doesn't like. Why would she? Why would she respond to that? Well, hmm. Maureen does it too, actually. Does she? Yeah, there's this, uh, let's see, uh, Zareen, Maureen's uh, voice was cold but unruffled. I'm called Fail, Zareen uh, said firmly. By the way, Robert Jordan calls her Zareen also. <laughs> Zareen yeah. said firmly in a, a voice that, <laughs> for a moment with her bold nose, she did look like Falcon. <laughs> Zareen, Maureen said firmly. You know, so she, she does it like three times. She calls her yeah. Zareen, despite... But she hates her. Yeah, well... She she is totally a teenager. That's the sort of thing a teenager does. Is they yeah. try to reinvent themselves. Yeah, the whole you're right. Everybody call me this now. Yeah. Like, okay. I'm 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 buying into that. Doesn't yeah. mean she's still not annoying. It's, I mean, a, it's different from any of the other characters we've met. Yeah. I mean, I tried to go by Shadowstalker for a little bit. Nobody picked it up in high school. Though. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did Rocket Cock for a while, <laughs> and that caught on too well. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a story behind both of these names that I need to hear. Exactly. That's what makes them good names. <laughs> Chapter 42. Easing the Badger. With a picture of the dragon's fang. So there's some evil afoot. They travel through Ilian Moor, and Zareen turns out to have quite a bit of useful info about Ilian. Mm-hmm. I guess because she's just been there before. Yeah, what? that must be it. There's totally nothing else there. <laughs> Wait, well, uh, what, what is... I know that Maureen said... What, what is Zareen's name from? They, they said what sort of name it was. Saldean. So, uh, Saldean, somebody who's supposed to be very beautiful, even though we have a lot of conversation about whether or not she is actually beautiful. Yeah, because can't decide whether or not she's pretty or not. Yeah. I think, he did, I think he did land on pretty recently. I think he's finally decided she was pretty. Wait, yeah. so she's Saldean, not Ilian, but she knows a bunch about Ilian. This is where the, the Great Hunt of the Horn was called. So the, this is where all the hunters came. She says she swore her oath here. Yeah. Okay, okay. So she's just been here before. Okay. Uh, and I guess it's some kind of tradition in Ilion, the Great Hunt of the Horn. Um, this is, yeah, it's cool. I like the description of the palaces. They, you know, they got the king's palace and the council's palace facing each other. It's and kind the, of a funny story about it. Yeah. But... You know, the, the council's palace is exactly the same as the king's palace, but shorter by two feet in every dimension because... Of you know their their history of tussling. Yeah, the king said that it, the his, his palace had to be the biggest, so they made it just like slightly smaller. <laughs> yeah, but exactly the same. It's kind of like how here in Texas we made the Texas state capital almost identical to the United States state capital, but it's like three feet taller or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we did the opposite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we made it bigger because Texas dicks. is full of dicks. Loyal <laughs> <laughs> uh, is not real happy to be an alien. Yeah, because apparently people from his steading come to Ilian to work on the stonework. And I guess he's afraid that they're just going to take him home because he's not. He still doesn't have the blessing to be like out yeah, of the setting, right? They're going to take him home and force him to marry somebody. <laughs> yeah, right. it's messed up. Mm. Oh, and the guys, we know that the guys here like goatees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they do. They wear goatees. Yeah, some of them have uh, beers with no mustache. Yeah, exactly. That's right. I'm not a fan of that. Look. Many of the men. It's kind of, it always reminds me of uh, Amish people. They have the yeah. yeah. Uh, the people of Ilian seem unnaturally angry. You see a bunch of people just scowling at each other. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that does not seem like a very friendly place. Yeah. They head to an inn on the cheap side. Uh, the cheap side meaning it just smells like poop. <laughs> and uh, yeah, easing the badger, because Robert Jordan is great at inn names. Yeah. And in the easing the badger, there's a sexy dancing girl. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make a note of this, because this sexy dancing girl is in all of the subsequent scenes. And... There's one point she's singing like body songs. Yeah. And Perrin is like into it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, at first he's like a little uncomfortable with it, but he's like, he really, he really likes it. Yeah, I wrote, yeah. He had never heard of any woman doing anything remotely like what the girl was singing about, 
But it did sound interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it did. <laughs> I bet it did. Parent. But we know that this is a good place to be because the woman, the innkeeper is fat and she has a smell of strong soap about her. So we know mm. she's good. Fat and clean. Yeah. Okay. So fat and clean. Good Boom. sign. So she's yeah. good innkeeper, probably a good cook. Yeah. Also true. Uh, we learned that there's this mysterious new lord in town. He's like yeah, lord making, tr- yeah, making trouble. He's like rabble rousing, I guess. Yeah, and everybody's having dreams about him, and the dreams are making him making them all crazy and angry. Yeah, that's uh, and they're all like, eh, probably nothing. <laughs> it's probably nothing. <laughs> no big deal. And yeah, so this is just like in Tear. Remember Tear? Like a new lord had shown up. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is sort of taking over and, and rabble rousing. And yeah. there's speculation that there might be a war brewing or something, right? Mm-hmm. And so this news frightens Moraine. Like, this is, I think, the first time... Because Perrin can smell fear now. That's one of the many powers that he hates. And she's scared when she hears this. Yeah. So she knows something we don't. So they have dinner there at the inn. And uh, Zarine complains about the fish. To which Moraine says, You chose to travel with us, so tonight you will eat fish. Tomorrow you may die. <laughs> And then nice. Perrin, like, super rubs in. He's just, like, eating the fish. He's like, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Mmm, good fish. Yeah, he totally does. <laughs> so he's like, it's this teenager stuff, right? He's just being a, yeah, he's being a dick because he doesn't know how to deal with his emotions. Yeah. But, yeah, I like that line from Maureen. So, like, that's <laughs> Today just, we eat fish, tomorrow we really, she's just saying she doesn't like fish, but she's like, Maureen is all the way to 60 miles an hour. Like, right. like no, tomorrow you will die. Eat the fish. <laughs> Uh, but speaking of dying, they get attacked by gray men. Yeah. Apparently Perrin, Perrin can smell them. Yeah, Perrin, that's the, the horrible smell that Perrin has been smelling. Yeah. And that saves the day because they are all, all the gray men have to do is walk in the door and walk towards them and stab them. Yeah. Because they don't notice them, right? Yeah. Yep. That's creepy. There's this really good combat scene. A really good one. Another good one from Robert Jordan. Yeah. Perrin tears the leg off a chair. Yeah, pulls the leg off a heavy chair <laughs> and and starts That's laying good. about him. And there's this, they have this cool, giant fight scene and Perrin thinks like, it feels like it takes forever. But when it's over, like the doorman has, hasn't even been able to make it across the room to get to it. It all happened in seconds. Yeah. Uh, so Balsamon's like really been leaning in on, into these uh, solace this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he like, just remembered he had them. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, like, I, I, I feel like there are many times in the first book when these solos would have been useful. It's, I mean, I will liken this to a video game. Yeah. Because I, that is what I know. It's like every sequel or every level, they have to introduce a new mechanic or a right. new enemy so it doesn't get stale. You right. Know? And the new, the new enemy for this book is Solus. And also, apparently, Darkhounds. Yeah, we find out about that. Um... But uh, this is this is something that's like not important at all. But I thought was a little silly. So when Zarine comes downstairs from uh, from her room, uh, she her the herbal scent that she has is stronger. Does that mean she's traveling with her own shampoo? <laughs> she must, right? Yeah. Where I else mean, does like, the herbal scent come from? Exactly. This it's not. It's, I, I'm, I don't imagine it's her natural scent. It right? could be like a perfume. So maybe she's got like some kind of like herbal essential oil that she like puts in her. Yeah, that must be it. Oh, maybe she's doing that for Perrin. Yeah. She's like gussing herself right. up. Yeah, oh. she made herself, you know, nice. Yeah. But even Fail, I'm going to call her Fail because I respect people's choices. <laughs> <laughs> I respect their self-identification. Uh-huh. Uh, even Fail kills a guy. Yeah. Which, I don't know, has she killed people before? Apparently. I, I mean, she, she didn't, see, like she didn't seem to... Doesn't seem to react. Yeah. I mean, do Solus count as people? I guess not, but does she know that? <laughs> That's great, yeah. So Moraine, after this, heads off on a secret errand by herself. And Landa's not super thrilled about that idea. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I just like that combat scene. That's one of the scenes, actually, that I remembered from when I read these books the first time. The, where they're, where parents just, like, looking around the room. He smells something wrong. And he sees the guys. He's like, some dude's walking towards us and then blah, 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 blah. But it's like, he doesn't notice them, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they, if not for parents, they might have actually been successful because... These are one of the few evil things that Moraine and Lan can't sense. Yeah. Yeah. So they might have actually gotten him. Yeah. Enough for Perrin. And his sniffing nose. Good on Perrin. Mm-hmm. Chapter 43, Shadow Brothers. The icon of a wolf. And so the girls goes back to singing. 
And Perrin gets really disappointed because she's singing a song about a rooster, and it's actually about a rooster. It's <laughs> <laughs> called Mi- Mistress Einar's Rooster, and he's, oh, that's just a rooster. Huh? <laughs> to his disappointment and his embarrassment, he was disappointed. It was actually about a rooster. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, that first song where the, it was, I've never heard of a woman doing that. So Perrin is from, like, a really puritanical backwater. Right. Sure. It might be... Something anything like, like anything like taking off her clothes right yeah, yeah. like walking around with no pants on that, yeah. that, that it could have been that yeah. oh my yeah right yeah <laughs> with a short skirt revealing her ankles and maybe a little bit of knee yeah oh. i mean to be fair if you don't have the internet i guess you get your attention where you you're you get your whatever <laughs> yeah 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 well, of course she was singing it to entertain yeah. all these salty sailor types yeah so it's probably assume. like she was I'll put stuff over her butt or something. I don't know. <laughs> talk about putting stuff over her butt. <laughs> and Perrin was like, that's interesting. <laughs> I've never considered that. <laughs> so uh, Lan and uh, Team Perrin go out to look around the inn. Which, oh, yeah, sure, that makes sense. I don't know. It, it, it was a little weird. I, I, I... I... I couldn't tell if Lan was trying to separate them for some reason when he was like, you, you come out here and look yeah. in case I miss something. Oh, and you too come out here and, you know, like it, it was a weird conversation to me. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, I think it was just that he wanted parents' eyes because parents got super duper eyes and it's nighttime. Yeah. And I guess he, yeah, I guess he didn't want to reveal... I, I guess he was trying to be subtle about it, so he mm-hmm. want to reveal his parents' powers. Or if there's more gray men around, since Lan says me and Moraine just can't sense them. Yeah, true. That's true, yeah. Yeah, keep Perrin around because he can smell them. Yeah. So this chapter has lots of boy-girl stuff with Perrin and Fael. And Perrin is all, I feel awkward and foolish, and she laughs at him. And then he tries to, like, get his dignity back, and she, and she laughs at him. Yeah. And that's... Frustrating. Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's a really unpleasant interaction. Yeah. If I was in that situation, I would want to get away from her. Unless she was really pretty, in which case I would be like, okay, i got to figure this out. Has it, uh-huh. And he's decided that she's pretty at this point, I guess. Yes. But yeah, I, I, I feel that way about most of their interactions thus far. Like they, I think that they, of the characters that are running around right now, their, their dialogue might actually be the most annoying or frustrating for me to read. Hmm. So they find dog tracks in solid stone. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen this a couple times before. Right yeah, parents noticed one of these before. Yeah. yeah. These are dark hounds who don't leave tracks in dirt, but do leave tracks in stone. Which is interesting. That's cool. Uh, kind of like a weird weakness, right? I mean... Yeah, right? So they're in the countryside, I guess you can never track them, but in the cities they become weak. It's like the Mirdral's cloak. It's just this very interesting idea, this kind of supernatural idea that... It's hard to imagine how that would make any physical sense. At, at first, I thought it was that they were, like, molten or something, so they were actually melting the stone, but that does not appear to be the case. hmm Yeah. So, Lan sets out to warn Moraine about the Dark Hounds. Everyone else is like, we're going to bed. Yeah, and they go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they... This is interesting. I, I was curious about where this was going. Fael wants to stay in Perrin's room. Yeah, she's, this is not the first time, I think, either, right? Yeah, I don't know if this is a come on or if this is, if she's just scared. This is worth being scared over, right? What's yeah. happened? Yeah. In fact, a reasonable person would get the fuck out of this situation right now. That is true. She's still sticking around, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, she, this is, there's been a couple times where she's like, where I think parent says, Zuri wanted to, to stay with him and he just told her to go to sleep or something. I was like, oh, okay, well. Yeah. I'm, like. Yeah, just feel out your options here, buddy. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, like, you're not, like, curious about where this is going? No? <laughs> yeah, right? You know, slam the door. <laughs> yeah. No vaginas in here, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, what would I do with you in my bedroom? <laughs> so Perrin goes to sleep to consult with Hopper, which is a step towards accepting his, his wolf powers. Yeah, this, this is a, a, actually probably a good idea. Yeah. Though I wasn't in, entirely sure what he was looking for here like i get he was trying to get advice but he it seemed like he was looking for something really specific and i could not figure out what he was trying to find out mm. like he, he like he, he came to hopper and said you know there's there's something i'm supposed to know and i was like where did where does he get this idea that he's there's something he's supposed to know or, or what is he 
what is he trying to learn specifically? I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think maybe he's just putting out his feelers. Yeah. Because he's, he's freaked out by this attack of yet another supernatural animal creature. Right. Mm-hmm. But what he sees in the dreams, he sees Matt dicing with Balzaman, which I don't think means anything. It's just really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to think. Is like, is this representative of anything? Is this, but no, I, I don't think it's... Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's just m- making us still consider whether Matt's new gift is good or evil. It could be. Ah, uh, true. Yeah. He also sees Egwene and Nynaeve stepping into a trap, which... <laughs> I mean... No! Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, yeah. Which time, right? See, also yeah. previous ten chapters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he also gets some of those weird Lord Bren dreams that everybody in Ilion is getting. So I guess he's he's susceptible to that. Is that what that was? Okay, I was, I was actually not sure who that was. Yeah, the tall, fancy-dressed guy who's just really angry. Yeah. That's, uh... I think that's what it is. He's just... The ambient dreaming that's that unrelated makes, to his wolf powers. That makes sense. And uh, he talks. He, he finally talks to Hopper about the the dark hounds, and Hopper tells him to flee the Shadow Brothers. That's pretty good. That's a good name. So for I it. would say that is one of the best names for a monster that Robert Jordan has come up with, and he follows it up immediately with one of the worst, which is what the wolves call the soulless. They <laughs> call them the not dead. <laughs> I, I know. I know. When I read that, I was like. Really? That's, not that's what you got? The yeah. not dead? Okay. I mean, they're not, but like, that's like, that's a, like, there's lots of things that are not dead. You know? <laughs> lots yeah. of things. Gray man's good. Soulless, pretty good. The not dead. Let's mm. workshop that a little bit more. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, like and, and it sucks because, you know, they have some really good ones like the Neverborn. That's pretty cool. Right? Yeah. For the right? Merdral. Yeah. Or the, what, what is it? The misshapen ones? Is that what they call it? The twisted ones. Twisted ones. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But no, not the, so much. The not dead. The not dead. <laughs> Just saying. It's like a, like a kid zombie movie or something. Get away from the not deads. <laughs> That's right. So when Perrin wakes up, Zareen is in his room anyway. Which is a little creepy, right? Yeah, she's just I mean, been watching, watching him. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you talk when you sleep, eh? Okay. If we switch, I, I, we've, I've done this yes. before. If we swap this, this would be really fucked up, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If like Zareen wakes up, sorry, Fail wakes up, <laughs> and Perrin is sitting in a chair staring at her and saying, "You talk in your sleep." <laughs> yeah. That'd be weird. And then, and then you he's could like, do with a little more hair on your, or chest. you know, your 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 tits could be a little bigger or something, right? I mean, like this is fucked up, right? Yes. I, I wish you had a more significant secondary sexual characteristic. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> this is a this 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 is a really creepy scene to me. <laughs> it is. Zareen needs to learn a little bit about boundaries. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but Heron's into it, so I guess she read the situation correctly. I don't know. He gets a little uncomfortable. He's like, covers his chest with the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. So Maureen then comes back. Bad news. A forsaken rules Ilian. Yeah, I totally... Yeah. Uh, until, like... Uh, this may sound like sarcasm, but until she that she revealed this, I totally did not pick up on any. I knew there was something weird going on, but I did not realize all of this was a forsaken thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that she also reveals that they killed one of his his dark hounds, and that's probably going to piss him off. Oh yeah, he probably mm-hmm. will Whoops. know about that. Yeah. yeah, and that's it. And the forsaken are uh, the forsaken are trouble. Like we yes. haven't seen any. Well, okay, that's not true. I was, I was I was trying to think like nobody successfully fought a forsaken except. Rand, when he was like hopped up on the eye of the world, when he yeah. killed that one guy, right? Yeah, and the green man killed the other one. That's right, uh, and it, but it cost him his life. Like yeah, he died. He, he was him. one of a kind thing. Yeah. So, uh, f- and those I presumably were actually among the weaker of the Forsaken because they were on the the outside. I think this is the reason their their faces were disfigured is because they were on the outside of the boundary or something like that. Was that that was a thing? Yeah, right? that's because they were. They were closer to the surface of the seal in the Dark One's prison. They were all sealed in there with them. Right. And the ones closest to the surface, the years actually did affect them. Right. So they'd been trapped there for 3,000 years or something, just aging but not dying. And that's why they were so horribly disfigured. And, and I'm guessing because they were, on the outside, they were probably not his closest forsaken. They were not his, the, the strongest. So yeah, Maybe, yeah. I so yeah, Moraine Mo- probably wouldn't stand a chance against forsaken in a straight fight, right? Almost certainly not. Uh-huh. Yeah. So is Irene, are they, they keep talking about her tilted eyes. So I was wondering if people from Saldia, do they have like Asian, like Oriental features? So uh, I, I think, what is, I'm not, not like, I think that they're, uh, she has Semitic features. Okay. Like a, like a Bedouin or Arab. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's, I, that's my guess. I was trying to picture the split skirts they kept describing, and I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be like... Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the garment is called, but it's like Japanese with like the, the like the kind of like. Oh yeah, I just thought it was like a baggy pants. His riding skirts. That's a thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, they have. It's a really good ending to the chapter. Before he could find words, the door crashed back against the wall. Moraine stood in the doorway, her face as pale and grim as death. Your wolf dreams tell us truly as a dreamer's parent, the forsaken are loose, dot, dot, dot. And one of them rules in the end. I love that. That's, <laughs> That's such good. a good end to the chapter. Yeah, that would be yeah. a great end of an episode of the TV show. Right? Yeah. There Thanks. you go. Boom. Cliffhanger. Till next week. I do often think that, well, I mean, it may be intentional, uh, that, that Robert Jordan is very cinematic in his descriptions, as if he hoped this would be picked up as a TV show or a series one day. I think it's just the way he writes. You know, he, um, I may have mentioned this, but what he spent a lot of his time doing is writing Conan stories. Oh. And all the old Conan stories are like that. I see. Like, it's just incredibly cinematic. Oh, right. Yeah. So I think he, he's been honing that style for a long time and he turned it to this epic fantasy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, and, and I, I know I've said this before, but I think that's where he's absolutely at his strongest. Like, those... Those fight scenes, those like really interesting like world building descriptions, mm-hmm. those are those are some of his, his best work. Yeah, and his weaknesses are pretty much his characters. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and his travel, <laughs> his travel scenes. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so that's it for this episode. Next time we're going to cover chapters forty four through forty nine of the Dragon Reborn. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan, and I'm Micah Sparkman. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews on whatever service you got this from. Please give us your dollars on Patreon, because we want those. Uh, Please like us in real life. We're super likable. (laughs) Until next time. The the light light illumines you. you.